Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. This is the 20th program in this series where I am in John chapter 5 with regards to the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And in the previous program, I explained that when Jesus healed this man, who was at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus provoked a conflict. That's effectively what Jesus did. Jesus healed the man who had an infirmity for 38 years, and he told the man to pick up his bed, or effectively his mat, probably a mat made out of straw that he was sleeping on, which was common at that time. He told him to pick it up, and go for a walk, to go and walk. And so the man took his mat, took his bed, and he went out into the community. The Jews, the religious Jews, spotted him, and they recognized that what he had in his possession was something that they would have expected him to have in a private place. But he was carrying it around in a public place. So they confronted him. They confronted him and said that he was not permitted according to their law, according to the law of the Sabbath, he was not permitted to carry his mat. The belief was was that a person could carry something from a private place to a private place, or they could carry something from a public place to a public place. But in this case, the expectation was that he had picked up something that belonged in a private place and he was carrying it around in a public place. And to them, that was a violation of the Sabbath law, that on the Sabbath law, you were not permitted to do any work. Now, there is nothing in the Sabbath law that specifically states that you cannot pick up a mat of straw and carry it around. There's nothing in the law that explicitly states that. But the Pharisees came up with a number of laws or principles for daily living. They came up with a lot of rules that they would live by, that they would govern their lives by, in order to try to ensure that they would never do anything that could be considered to be a violation of the Sabbath law. And so while the Sabbath law does not explicitly state that he cannot pick up a mat of straw and carry it around, the Jews, the religious Jews at this time, the Pharisees, would say that this would not be appropriate because there is the risk that you could be functioning in a way, you could be living in a way that could be a violation of the Sabbath law. And so we're not going to do that in order to remove the potential risk of a violation of the Sabbath law. So they confront the man, and the man responds. He defends himself by giving them the information that they need to know so that they can see that he was in a public place when he picked up the mat. And I explained this in the previous program because he did not know who it was that had healed him. And so that conflict was resolved. 
But when Jesus healed this man, Jesus did provoke a conflict because eventually they will find out who it was that healed the man on the Sabbath day and they are going to have an issue with that because it was believed that unless the man's life was in danger, you should not heal this man, that that healing would be considered to be work, or at least it would be within the boundaries of possibly violating the Sabbath law because you do the work of healing someone. If it's something that can wait until the next day, then it should be done on the next day, not on the Sabbath day. That was their belief. So when the man did not know who it was that had healed him, the Jews were not able to follow through with trying to identify who had violated the Sabbath law. The man eventually went to the temple and Jesus found him there. When Jesus found the man in the temple, the man was able to determine that this was Jesus, the person that the Jews definitely had an interest in at this time. And so he went back and he found the religious Jews, if not the specific ones who confronted him initially, he found some other ones. He found some Pharisees and he told them that it was Jesus who healed him on the Sabbath day. This is what was going on. Beginning in John chapter 5 verse 14, it says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now, because of what Jesus said to the man, it's reasonable to assume that it was because of the man's sin. And that could have been a natural consequence of the man's sin, or it could have been divine judgment. In general, the religious Jew would make the assumption that it was a divine judgment just to be safe and just to make sure that God would get proper credit for causing the divine judgment that took place. For this reason, in verse 15, for this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath, which is legitimate because the punishment for violating the Sabbath law is to be executed. And so the Jews would seek to kill him, throw rocks at him until he is dead, because that's what they were told, because that's what the law demands. The law of God is very specific that if you violate the Sabbath law, you are to be killed. A violation of the Sabbath law is to result in death. So the Jews, the religious Jews in this case, they were being true to the law of God. They were committed. They were devoted. They were wanting to do all that God required of them. And so it did not necessarily mean that this was a personal issue that these Jews had against Jesus. This didn't have to be the case. They were simply being true to the Mosaic law. And one of the reasons why they would be true to the Mosaic law would be because they do not want the divine judgment of God to fall upon them for their failure to live in obedience to the Mosaic Law, for their failure 
to identify the sinful person and to put them on trial and to have them convicted and have them executed for violating the law of God. They did not want to be responsible for failing to fulfill their obligation before God according to the Mosaic law. Now, what I find to be quite interesting about this is that clearly this was a divine healing. I think that the Jews should have been able to recognize that if this man was in fact disabled, he had an infirmity as a result of his sin, that this would likely be because of a divine judgment. If the religious Jews would have seen that, then they would have also recognized that the only way that this man could possibly be healed would be through the divine. That the divine would have to, the divine person, would have to decide to set him free from this divine judgment. God is the only person who could possibly heal this man. And so if they find out that it was Jesus who healed this man, then they should recognize that Jesus has to be God. He has to be God. But instead, what they do in response to what clearly is a divine, I believe is clearly a divine healing out of their fear of the judgment of God that may come upon them, out of fear of God, they go and they attack God. God manifested in the flesh. They go after the divine presence, the person who healed the man. That's what they do. So in John chapter 5, verse 16, for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Now, they confront Jesus over what he did. This is now Jesus' moment to speak to the people. He now takes advantage of the opportunity. He takes advantage of the opportunity that he indirectly created. He created this opportunity. He started the conflict and they approach him. And then he defends himself from this conflict that he effectively provoked by healing this man to begin with. And through his defense, through the defense of Jesus, through Jesus' defense, he speaks to the people clearly about who he is and what he's doing. He is very clear with these people, and because they want to hear his defense, hear his explanation, he takes advantage of the situation, and they are going to hear all that he has to say. And so beginning in verse 17, But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Well, of course he is. Of course he must be equal with God. He must be the divine presence, he must be God manifested in the flesh. Jesus is God. 
because he's the one who set the man free from the divine judgment of God. Only God can do that. There is no man who can go up against God and say, God, you know, I think that this person has had enough of your divine judgment, and I am going to set this person free from your divine judgment. No man is going to do that. That's God himself. And so the way that Jesus communicates with the people at this time leaves no doubt. This is unquestionable. This was clearly understood to the people at this time. Now today, if he was talking to you, he might say things a little differently. But at this time, this is the way that he spoke and the people understood clearly what he had to say. That he is God. That's who he is. That's exactly who he is. He came to live as a man, but he will do those God things. He will do those things in order to get people's attention and in order to tell them the truth that they need to know so that they may be set free. So in verse 17, it says, But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Now this was the Sabbath day. And Jesus is, in effect, acknowledging that he did some work. Perhaps it doesn't necessarily mean that this is work that would qualify for a violation of the Sabbath law. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But it is a form of work that he is doing, and he doesn't deny this. But what he does say is that this is the work of God, that it was God who effectively did the healing. He is God, but this is without question a divine experience, which suggests that God might do some things on the Sabbath day. He might do that. You know, when he created the world, he rested on the seventh day. He did. He rested on the Sabbath day. But that doesn't mean that God is going to rest on every Sabbath day. It doesn't mean that. It just means that on that specific day, God rested. But there is no indication anywhere whatsoever that God has officially declared that on the seventh day of the week, he rests. We don't have any indication of that at all. Does God take a day off once a week? Is that what he does? Does he really do that? Every Sabbath, does it kind of seem like this? Does it seem like God just takes the day off? He is not available. Don't bother God. He goes into his dwelling place, probably that place of unapproachable light. So he can rest. So that nobody is going to ask him to do anything on their behalf. No work. God is going to do no work for anybody. Every week on the Sabbath day, God goes into his dwelling place. That's where he is. Don't bother him. Don't ask anything of him. Don't expect him to do anything. He is going to observe the Sabbath law. Is that what he's going to do? Is that is that what people think of him? Some people might think of him in that way. You know, this might be the best day for the enemies of Israel 
to attack. It might be. It could be the best day on the Sabbath day. That's the day to attack because you are guaranteed that God will not send fire from heaven to consume the enemies of God. He's not going to do it because on the Sabbath day you are not to kindle a fire. And so under no circumstances will God leave his dwelling place and he will not send fire down from heaven to consume the adversaries of God and and his children and his people. He's not going to do that because that would be kindling a fire on the Sabbath day. That would be a form of work. And he's he's just not going to do that. If If the people will be able to endure until the following day, until the first day of the week, that's going to be just fine. He will let them suffer. He will let them be invaded. He will let the enemy do whatever the enemy wants to do, just as long as on the next day, God will be able to fix this issue. He will resolve the problem. If God can wait until the following day to defeat the enemies of Israel, then he has to do that. Because if he doesn't, then that would be a violation of the Sabbath law. Now, this is exactly how the Pharisees would approach God and how they would think of God. This is exactly how they would perceive him if they were confronted with this kind of a question. Should God be doing anything on the Sabbath day? What if they seek him? What if they want him to give them some instruction of some kind? Well, you know, that could be considered to be work. They could be expecting God to work on the Sabbath day. Give us some instruction. Give us some insights. Give us some divine discernment. You know, that's that can be work, especially trying to explain that to somebody who doesn't really know as much as perhaps we would like them to. Someone who might have a little bit of an attitude about some things. Trying to explain to them things that they do not understand and perhaps even things that they don't want to understand. This can require a tremendous amount of effort and God might consider that to be work. A lot of work. All right, and so it depends on how you want to frame the issue. How you want to describe the issue. How you want to address The argument, in this case, Jesus clearly states to the people that God is actively participating in their lives, even on the Sabbath day. This absolutely had to have been a divine healing. And so clearly it was the divine who did the work. It was God who clearly set this man free from what was probably a divine judgment of his. And so if God is doing work, and Jesus is the Son of God, for him to be doing work like God is doing is legitimate. And in fact, anyone should be allowed to participate in the kind of work that God is doing. Because if it is the Sabbath day, and God is actively participating, and he is doing things, then God would be the example. He would be the model. By all means, do those things that are the things of God. Therefore, in verse 18, this is John chapter 5, verse 18, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said, 
that God was his father, making himself equal with God. We're talking about blasphemy in this circumstance. So he broke the Sabbath law according to their beliefs. But their beliefs had to do with what can we do in order to ensure that we don't come within the boundaries of possibly violating the Sabbath law. We will call that breaking the Sabbath law. Breaking the Sabbath law is getting too close to the possibility of breaking the Sabbath law. And then on top of that, for Jesus to say that God was his father is understood clearly by the people at this time that he is effectively saying that he is God. Now, in effect, if he is doing the works of God, the works that only God can do, then Jesus is saying that he is God because he is doing the works that only God can do. Could they have done these works? Could they have healed this man at the Pool of Bethesda? You know, there were a lot more people over there at the Pool of Bethesda at this time on this day. They could go over and demonstrate that this is a work that they can do that is not necessarily a divine work, but they didn't do that. This was a way that Jesus spoke clearly to the people in his defense concerning the circumstance that he provoked He's defending himself and he's saying, listen, you're coming over here talking with me about what I did on the Sabbath day. Let me tell you something. I am God. Do you really want to discuss this with me? Do you really? Do you really want to address this issue? Because I am God. I am the person who just did this healing and you want to, you want to start an issue with me? Do you really? Verse 19, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So if this is what God does, this is what he's going to do. He's God. This is what he's going to do. In verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. In other words, you think this was a big deal? You just wait. There is more. There is more to come. In verse 21, for as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. All right, so he did the works of God with regards to the divine healing. And so because Jesus can do a work that only God can do, so he clearly is God. That's who he is. He's right there in front of them as God. And then in verse 21, he says he raises the dead. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so... The Son gives life to whom he will. So when Jesus raises somebody from the dead, that's going to be another way that they will be able to see that sure enough, Jesus is God. Verse 22, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. 
He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Now, this is clearly explained in the prophets, that a child would be born, that there would be a son, that the government would be on his shoulders. He would be the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God. This is the person who will be given the position and the responsibility to execute judgment. God is the only one who executes judgment, the final judgment for people. He is the only one. And so clearly, Jesus is God. If what Jesus is saying is true, and the people recognize that the Son has the power of the Father, that the Son is equal with the Father, that this is God manifested in the flesh, the one who set this man free from the divine judgment, they have some evidence. He follows through and says, I not only do the works that show that I am God by doing works that only God can do, but I will also be the one who executes judgment on you and everybody else. And God is the only one who has the right to execute this judgment. So I clearly am God manifested in the flesh. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 20th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I spent a little bit more time talking about the conflict that Jesus provoked by healing the man who was at the Pool of Bethesda. In this program, I spent a little bit more time speaking about the issues related to the Sabbath law and what the people would have been concerned about when it comes to healing someone on the Sabbath day, and that when they confronted Jesus over this healing, Jesus was able to respond and tell them that he really is God manifested in the flesh, that the healing that he performed was a divine healing that, of course, would require him to be divine. And so Jesus provoked this conflict in order to have the opportunity to tell the people about who he is and the truths that they need to know in order to be set free. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,